Jerry Bow and Josh Jordan. Welcome back to Moneyline 713-780-3776. You hear the music? I am proud to have my man on right here. Jake Asman, host of the Jake Asman Show on SB Nation Radio. He was at the draft. He attended. I want to know what his thoughts are after what the review of the Texans picks were because we uh, we got our thoughts but we know that his will be a little bit more concrete because he heard the rumblings. I want to know what happened at the draft. Jake Asman, what's going on, my man? Guys, thanks for having me. What an introduction with the theme song. I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> we had to do it for you. We, we, have a big, <laughs> we have a big guest on the show. We got to do it big, Jake. How you doing, my man? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, the, the, the draft was a lot of fun. I, I mean, just a, a shout-out to Nashville. I had never been until this past weekend, of course. And, you know, they projected, I think, 300,000 people there just the first two wow. nights alone. I mean, Broadway Street, where it all was happening, where the stage was set, overlooking all the bars and all the different restaurants on that street. I mean, it was incredible. It was, it, if you're a football fan, every team was represented, fans lining up all day long just to get a glimpse of the stage. Really cool environment, really cool atmosphere. And, you know, when the NFL decided to move the draft around to various cities, you know, people questioned if Nashville could support the NFL draft, if the city was big enough. But Nashville was great. The city came through. And a lot of pressure will be on Vegas next year to try and deliver because Nashville was awesome. And I think anyone that had a chance to be there that's a football fan really enjoyed themselves. Man, and you got to think, they're probably going to bring it back, right? It was great, you know, if everything you said is the case. What about the weather? That seemed to be on Thursday night might have been a little bit of an issue. Uh, was that tough to deal with, or did everybody seem like, you know, who cares? It's, you know, it's the draft. We're going to have fun anyway. Yeah, so the weather Thursday night, it, it, it was funny, right? So during the day on Thursday, there was talk, well, what if it rains and if it's thunder and lightning, the NFL has to have a contingency plan where they have to move the draft to an 1,800-seat arena not too far away from downtown Nashville on Broadway Street where the, the whole setup was. It was nice throughout the day, and then it started to really rain hard once the draft kind of got underway. It was ironic that Goodell comes out to announce the start of the draft and it immediately starts raining. So <laughs> people were making fun of Goodell for that. But, That's you know, nice. it, it did settle down. It wasn't bad the entire first round, maybe an hour, hour and a half into the first round. It was raining, raining pretty hard. But then it, then it cleared up and it became, you know, it, it became a drizzle throughout the rest of the night. And then Friday night, I mean, to me, I was even more impressed with the turnout on Friday just because you had, it felt like, just as many people there. Yeah, it's a Friday night, and the weather was really nice, but, you know, when we're talking about the second or third rounds, so and once you get to, like, the middle of the second round, you know, for the most part, unless you're a, a draft junkie, we're talking about players that aren't even in the green room, so they're not even coming out on stage, and players that the casual football fan probably has not heard of. So to see that many people for the second night was so impressive, and, you know, Nashville's just great. I mean, the whole strip had... 
different rooftop bars that had draft parties and uh, overlooking restaurants that could get a glimpse of the stage. This is a really cool environment, and if you're a football fan, I think everyone there really had a really cool time. We have Jake Asman on, host of the Jake Asman Show on SB Nation Radio. Let's get into the meat and potatoes of this. What was your first thought whenever you saw the Texans draft Titus Howard? You know, I, I, I am maybe in the minority on this. I'm not going to kill the pick. I, you know, I saw a lot of my Texans fan friends and people on social media saying, oh, how could they do this when, you know, there were so many other guys that they could have taken. I know people obviously were hoping maybe for Andre Diller, but that didn't become possible when he got picked right before. You know, the talk was, how do you not take Jawan Taylor? Or how do you not take Greg Little or Cody Ford? The reality is, though, Brian Gain in his first draft a year ago without a first or a second round pick did a really nice job. So if he feels that Titus Howard was the pick, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to trust Gain who got, who did a really nice job in year one with this draft with Justin Reed and Kiki QT and, and finding guys that at the time we didn't know what to think and they turned out being impactful players with a lot of potential moving forward. The thing you hear about Howard is he has all the physical tools to develop into a really, really high-end starter. And if that's the case, then you trust, hopefully, your coaching staff, you trust the Texans to be able to develop them. They hit all their needs, obviously. The big talk was, well, they need to go offensive line. We know they needed to do that. They obviously needed corner help, and they addressed that in the second round. And, uh, you know, as far as hitting on their needs, they hit on all their needs. Now it's just about, hopefully, they drafted the right fit and they drafted the right player that they could develop. Because the reality is none of us know how any of these guys are going to be. You just hope Gade, who did a nice job in year one, can follow through and hit on four of these top 86 picks that the Texas had. What's your thoughts as far as immediate impact? Are any of these guys guys that you can see potentially starting week one, say? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think Howard's going to get every opportunity to start week one, whether it be a left tackle or a right tackle. He's going to get a chance here. I, I mean, Matt Khalil was brought in on a one-year deal, but his health is obviously a major concern. We asked Matt Khalil when he was made available, if the season was starting now, training camp was starting, would you be ready to practice? And he said probably not. So, you know, it, it's only April, obviously, April 28th. we still got time until training camp and when guys actually need to be ready. But there's injury risk on this Texans line. Guys have been banged up going back to last year. Obviously, you know, Chartrell Henderson was brought back, and he got hurt the first game of the season within the first couple of plays. So he's coming off injury, so he's going to obviously be someone they're going to try and ease back. I think Howard will get a chance to play. And, and don't honestly sleep on their second-round pick, 54th overall, Lonnie Johnson. Got a chance to watch his tape. It was impressive. He got the, enjoy, the endorsement from Jalen Ramsey, guys. So, you know, if he's anywhere close, the type of player that Jalen Ramsey is with the Jaguars. That's a steal for the Texans. But they they hit on their needs, and now you just hope that these guys come in and be impact players, just like Justin Reed was the third-round pick and Kiki Kuti was as a fourth-rounder a season ago. Hey, Jake, staying in the AFC South, switching it over to the Colts. So last year they obviously drafted really well. You know, they had two all-pro rookies. This year it seems like they drafted well again. It seems kind of like they're drafting players to go against the Texans, to cover Texans players. You know, they drafted Rock Austin, who's going to help cover DeAndre Hopkins. They drafted another pass rusher who can get after uh, Deshaun Watson, obviously, which is what they did last year. What, what do you make of the Colts' back-to-back kind of grade-A drafts, and what, what do you think that does to the rest of the division? The Colts have been so smart, right? And, you know, Chris Ballard, their GM, there's a reason why he was the executive of the year. I've seen the guys that the Colts were smart with what they did. I mean, they traded up and had the first pick. 
of the second round, and they took Rocky Sim, the cornerback from Temple. People thought that he was for sure a first-round pick, and for them to get him at the top of the second round, that was smart. I'll give you another pick I really like, getting Paris Campbell 59th overall out of Ohio State. I watch Ohio State a lot because they were always on national TV. Paris Campbell is a physical freak. He's a speed guy, Then you put him with T.Y. Hilton on the outside. I think Andrew Luck is going to have a lot of success with those guys. But the Colts have been really smart. But that, this is this is where you need to draft well, right? I mean, look what the Colts have been able to do. Ballard a year ago makes the trade with the Jets and gets some extra second-round picks. He ends up turning that trade with the Jets into you know Darius Leonard coming out in the second round. And before that, Quentin Nelson to solidify that offensive line. So, you know, the good teams in this league, they draft really well. And the Colts, by all accounts, had another really good draft. And, you know, that's what you have to do to have success. You need your franchise quarterback in place, of course. That's step one. But from that point on, you have to surround them with talent. And you got to hit it on your mid-round picks. You know, for every first-round stud that you could draft, you got to hit on guys in the second, third, and fourth round. That's where you build your football team. And that's what made the Colts successful. So if you're a Texans fan, gain through year one without a first or a second, hit on plenty of his picks, and you hope now that he had two second-round picks and obviously a first-round pick with Tidy Howard. You'll be hits on that as well, so the Texans can try and build upon an 11-5 season. Hey, Jake, I know you're a big Jets fan. Uh, I imagine you got to be pretty happy with the Quinn and Williams pick. What do you think of that one? Yeah, no question, guys. I mean, I, if me personally, I, I was hoping they would maybe you know take an edge rusher in that slot. I know obviously Josh Allen was the big name, and he ended up falling all the way to seven, which I, I still can't believe Jacksonville was able to get him in that slot. But Williams, by all accounts, is a guy that they keep saying, oh, he might be the best defensive player in the draft, or maybe he's the best overall player in the draft. And if that's the case, I understand you can't pass up on that value, but he has to come in and be dominant. And by all accounts, he's capable of being that type of guy. He's got to get pressure, right? I mean, the Jets, a couple years ago, they drafted Leonard Williams, and people said, oh, the Jets maybe got the best player in the draft at number six. And Leonard Williams is a nice player, but he's not dominant. He's an above-average starter at this point from what we've seen from Leonard Williams through his first five years in the league. So a lot of pressure is going to be on Quinn Williams to come in and play well. Greg Williams is their new defensive coordinator, and hopefully he can maximize what Williams can bring in the Jets' defense this year. But, you know, all in all, the Jets obviously – you know, they didn't have a second-round pick, so they needed to hit on their first first-round pick, third overall. I never bought the rumors that they were going to trade down. I just didn't think they'd do it unless they were going to get a one in next year's draft. And, you know, teams aren't going to move up and trade you a one for next year unless they need a quarterback. And clearly after Kyler Murray went one, you know, we weren't going to see another quarterback go until the Giants surprised all of us and took Jones at six. So, oh, no, I'm happy with the selection. Now you just hope Williams comes in and, and is as dominant as people say he will be. Speaking of Greg Williams, we know how he is and how he goes about things. You you either get him or he gets you, or, or, or it works out or not. You're either a Greg Williams type of player or you're not. Do you feel that he brings something to that locker room and that they'll be able to, to feed into it and make something positive come out of this? Yeah, no question. I, I mean, Greg Williams was one of the, re- one of the, the great hires the Jets made. I, I didn't love the Adam Gase hire at first. I've been outspoken and on the record about that. I would have hired Mike McCarthy if I was the Jets. I wanted someone with experience, someone that's no nonsense. Because, you know, the Jets have not hired any coach with pr- prior head coaching experience since Bill Parcells in 1997. So I really wanted them to hire someone that has done it before, despite what you think of McCarthy. Oh, you know, he didn't win enough with Rodgers. He has won. He has experience. I would have hired him. They went with Adam Gase. He had an okay record with pretty average quarterback play in Miami. Fine. But then he hired Greg Williams to be the D.C. He said he wanted the head coach of the defense. 
That's what Greg Williams is. I mean, the Jets last year blew six games in which they were leading by seven or more in the fourth quarter. You know, think about that. If they won a handful of those games, instead of going, you know, four and 12, you're in the mix all of a sudden. If you just win a couple more of those games, you know, with a, a young quarterback in Sam Darnold, you bring in the offensive mind to head coach, you sign Le'Veon Bell in the offseason, Jamison Crowder, you improve the offensive line with the Kalikio Semele trade. The Jets have gotten a lot better, but now it comes down to all these pieces coming in and, and, and playing how they should. And if that's the case, there's no reason why if Darnold takes the next step, like we see young quarterbacks do in their second year, Goff, Mahomes, you know, Wentz, so on and so forth, there's no reason why the Jets can't be a team that is in the playoffs next this year. No doubt. And I'm going to swing us back to the Texans for a quick second. This kind of concerns me a little bit, Jake. It's just the. It feels like a lot of their picks are kind of developmental guys or, or, or small school guys. You know, the Max Sharping pick I like uh, for the Texans, the tackle. But, you know, a guy out of northern Illinois and with the Titus Howard pick, a guy out of Alabama State. And then I, I like that they got a tight end uh, with their pick, with the wearing pick. But, you know, he's a guy out at San Diego State. He wasn't even a full-time starter. Is, should there be a little bit of concern that a lot of these guys – they haven't exactly – they don't have the, the pedigree or the, the resume that a lot of people would like to see. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I mean, anytime you draft a guy that is from a smaller school, there is some concern. But the one thing you could say is if a guy's good, a guy's good, right? I mean, some guys – sometimes it takes these players a couple of years to really develop into their bodies when they're in college. So maybe at a high school they weren't a four- or five-star guy. They're maybe a two- or a one-star recruit. But once they get on a college campus and they get through a college program – they really develop into guys that if you were going to redo it, they probably would have been at a bigger program. You know, the tight end pick that the Texans made, I was surprised by it because considering they took two tight ends in the draft a year ago, I'm surprised they took Warren 86 overall. But that just shows you how much they really like him. And I was reading Cody Stewart's column on sportsmap.com. I mean, this guy is a freak of an athlete. He didn't start playing football until he was a senior in high school. He walked on to San Diego State. He was a water polo player that also played basketball. So this is someone that they think they could develop, someone that obviously has a lot of talent. And, you know, they felt the value of getting him at, at 86 overall was worth it. But, you know, there, there's obviously a boomer bust type of potential there when you talk about a guy that's that raw. So you trust that you're, you trust the Texans coaching staff can develop them. And, and we'll see. I think they, they would like to certainly use the tight end more in the offense. They have not really done that the last couple of years. And, We'll see him out three tight ends over the last two drafts. Someone has to emerge and be someone that can be reliable for Watson in the offense this year. We have Jake Asman on the line talking all things NFL draft, all things Texans. If you have any questions, go ahead and tweet us or hit us on the text line. The name Jadavion Clowney came up. How much truth truth was there to that? Was there actually uh, were they willing to to take some some trade offers for him to try to make some moves in this draft, or was that just kind of a smokescreen to see where they were at? Everything that I have heard on Clowney and anyone that I have spoken to around the NFL circles with knowledge of that is that the Texans still want to sign him long term. Now, are they going to be able to work out a deal? That remains to be seen. But I never thought that they were going to trade him. I think part of the reason the Texans didn't open the bank this free agent period is because they want to have money to sign Clowney long-term. And honestly, one of the things that I think that actually hurts Clowney is the fact that J.J. Watt came back last year and had 16 sacks. I mean, who saw that one coming? Winning comeback player of the year, being as dominant as he was. I mean, you know, I think if... Watt came back and maybe was good, but he wasn't his all-pro self again. And maybe there's more pressure on the Texans and Clowney has more leverage to get a deal done. I really think it's now a staring contest between Gain and Clowney's agent to determine, all right, what, at what point 
do we make a deal here? Do we make a deal? Because Clowney's not going to show up to any of the voluntary offseason stuff. He's probably not going to show up to any of the, the mandatory stuff without a new deal. So it just becomes a staring contest of who's going to blink first. But I'm not surprised they didn't trade him. Maybe they listened to offers. Why wouldn't you? Because you never know if a team's going to wow you and blow you away. But I still expect a deal to get done at some point. I just don't think it's going to get done until we have that franchise tag deadline that's coming up over the summer. Awesome. Jake, thank you so much for joining us. That's at Jake Asman on Twitter. Give him a follow. He's a great follow. Uh, I think uh, I just wanted everybody to know. Let them know on SB Nation Radio what time your show is when they can check you out, Jake. Sure. Thanks, guys. So I'm on every single night, local time in Houston, 6 to 7 Central on SB Nation Radio. Then I'm also on uh, every Saturday, 4 to 7 uh, Eastern. So we're in Houston, of course, so 3 to 6 Central time. It's a lot of fun doing a show on SB Nation Radio and obviously getting the chance to cover the local Houston teams for uh, for ESPN 97.5. So it's been fun being in Houston, and obviously I know Texas fans are excited. Hopefully they hit on some of these picks here. No doubt about it. Thanks again for joining us, Jake, and uh, we'll catch up with you down the road, my man. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. Yep. All right, guys, that was Jake Asman. Follow him on Twitter. Check him out on SB Nation Radio. He does cover a lot of us, uh, a lot of stuff for us on ESPN 97.5. Goes and, you know, covers the Texans, so definitely check him out. we got a whole lot more in the show. We'll be right back. You're listening to Moneyline, ESPN 97.5. Listening to Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 97.5.com. Live from the ESPN 97.5 studios, here's Jerry Bow and Josh Jordan. Virginia University, 2014 Colts Man of the Year at two-time Brooklyn. We have a seven-second delay. He's Man of America, not Man of the Year. He's Man of America. I'm not going to say a single word about the Tennessee Titans record against the Indianapolis Colts because I was a punter, and there's no reason for me to talk about that. With that being said, we did not punt much against the Tennessee Titans, so you probably have no clue. How good was that, man? Pat McAfee just, you know, punking the Tennessee Titans fans. And, hey, why not? You know, they're, they're our rival. I don't I don't mind seeing the Titans get run down a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> 
I thought it was hilarious. Also, uh, uh, the other guy came out. Uh, I'm sorry, Reggie Wayne came out and yeah. he said, "Man, what are y'all booing me for?" <laughs> and he knew the exact record too because I went and looked, and it was the exact many times as they won in X amount of years. Yeah, and you know, uh, DeAndre Hopkins announced a couple. I think both the the second round picks for the Texans, and I was I was watching, waiting to see if he, he threw a little shade at the Titans fans. But you know, DeAndre just kept it cool and you know just did his thing, man. But I was I was curious if he was going to poke him a little bit. I was curious who was going to be on the cover of Madden, The Curse. And Go ahead and tell everybody who it is. I didn't want to see it. I didn't want to see Pat Mahomes go down like uh-huh. this, but Patrick Mahomes will be on the cover of Madden 2020. I, I, I think he deserves it, yeah, but I didn't want to see this. I didn't want to see this. I own him. I own him in a, in a, in a, in a dynasty league, and this is the last thing I wanted to see. I know, because you get that Madden curse, and it feels like the curse is already happening, right? With the Tyreek Hill news, like they just announced that he's going to be on the cover, and now it doesn't look like you know. If, if you guys haven't seen Tyreek Hill, you know, yeah, there. Uh, and we might even play the audio here in just a second. You know, he's the case is being reopened about him, you know, physically assaulting his young three-year-old son. It looks like his fiance or girlfriend or whatever taped a, a conversation with the two of them, where he basically threatened her, and it it's terrible. Uh, Cam, let me know when you have that audio. I guess we can go ahead and play it. Um, but it looks really bad for the Chiefs here. And, you know, with the Kareem Hunt thing happening this year, too, and now we get Tyreek Hill. And, I mean, this looks bad. I, I would assume at the least he's going to be suspended for, like, at least the first eight games of the season. The Chiefs have already told him you can't come to the facilities until we do a little research into this. And I saw an article on Pro Football Talk where they're like, it's come to the point where we need to start penalizing teams for taking all these problem players and that I they should that. have to deal with some kind of consequence if they sign guys that are, you know, just perpetual line steppers and guys that keep getting arrested. Yeah, I yeah, saw we, that. We thought Cincinnati was bad back in the day, but yeah. at least those guys were just, you know, it was just like drug issues and and tickets and stuff like this. Kansas City is like on a whole another level with their little their guys. And that's the thing. If you want to be that team that uh, sticks your neck out there, for example, the Bengals with Joe Mixon. Yeah. And we thought, okay, here we go again. And, I mean, he stayed out. Surprisingly, he stayed out of trouble so far. And hopefully it, it stays to that. I'm, I'm, sure. I'm pushing for the guys. I don't like going against these guys. But when there's these red flags and, and things come up again, then you can you can only say you can only have yourself to blame. But I do like what the Chiefs did with Miko Hardman, yeah. uh, picking him up the speedster out of Georgia. And uh, they're hoping that he can fill it right in, which I, I don't think that you just – not what Tyreek Hill brought to a team, and let's let, let's let's go ahead and play this audio so you can make your own assumptions on this because sometimes you read into things, and it's good to hear the person's voice so you can hear what the thought process was behind the whole conversation. He is terrified of you, and you say that he respects you, but it's not it's he not respect. Me. It's terrified. He is terrified of you. You need to be terrified of me too. I really want you to sit and think about it because I rode for you against nah. that detective and the CPS people, and they said time and time again that literally kept saying, Daddy punches me, which you do when he starts crying. What do you do? You make him open up his arms and you punch him in the chest. And then if he gets in trouble, you get the belt out and you okay, do. Okay, so what about you? You, you? What you don't do? You Also, I'm just going to take it. No, I you told. Don't you don't I be- him that he gets whooped. I told him that he gets whooped, but I don't use a belt. Man, that is that's hard to hear. You know, it, it really is. It just sucks though yeah. that she was covering for a while though too. Yeah. But then now that 
she did leave, I guess you could call it a, a an extra recording to someone just in case. And now all of a sudden this is coming out. I just, I just hate how it was going to get blown under the, it was going to get swept under the rug and it now was. it had to get reopened. And it's like, you knew there was something there. Yeah. And the detectives came out and said that. They were like, you know, unfortunately, we're, you know, when they originally closed the case, they were like, we think there's something to it. We just don't have enough to prove it. And this is not the first time. This is the same chick that caused him to fall in the draft where he allegedly, you know, beat her up when she was pregnant with the kid we're talking about right here and even, you know, punched the, the kid, you know, punched her in the stomach while she was pregnant. It's just a terrible look for the Chiefs. And, and it's the same thing happening again. And it just this guy, he looks like a bad dude. I don't think this is just smoke. I think there's something to it here. And they have to move on and if we're going to look at this from a, a football perspective because you know we're a sports show Tyreek Hill accounted for about 25 percent of Patrick Mahomes production last year as far as like touchdowns and yards I don't think you're just going to replace that with a draft pick that you grab now Sammy Sammy Watkins is there so maybe they're going to go to him a little more remember Travis Kelsey's coming off of ankle surgery Kareem Hunt's gone I'm telling you, man, I'm in this whole Madden curse thing. I kind of buy into that stuff. I don't really buy into a curse per se, but I do buy into other players notice that, you know, certain, you know, certain players are, are becoming, you know, big, important figures in the NFL. And I think players kind of go out of their way to hit these guys a little harder because, you know, they're a big deal and, and then injuries end up happening. So, Patrick Mahomes is a guy I'm going to stay away from in fantasy. And in fact, I think. I think he goes behind Aaron Rodgers and Andrew Luck now in the quarterback rankings. As far as in uh, your like, or do you think the ADP wise, that's where he's going to get drafted? Or do you think people are still going to go out there and get him anyways? I think for me, I'm going to I'm going to move him down, yeah. and, and I think eventually, as we get a little closer, everybody's going to come to that conclusion. If, if Tyreek Hill is really gone at least eight games, could be even longer. You can't be too excited about no. what else he has. Look at his one, Sammy Watkins, always hurt, hurt. Demarcus Robinson's a kick returner, punt returner. That's the two. Yep. Now you got Hardman. Then you got Byron Pringle. His mom doesn't know who he <laughs> no, is. No. So it's going to be a struggle, man. You know, we call Andy Reid an offensive genius. He's going to have to prove it this year. Yeah, and we we forget Kansas City's defense was terrible. Yes. I mean, Pat Mahomes had to put up points to cover up for that defense, and now two of his best weapons are gone, and they're, it's not like their defense is going to go from terrible to elite in one year. So... Kansas City's got some real issues coming up. How quickly things change just with a couple players. And, you know, this is Andy Reid's deal. They they knew the red flags that were here. And it's so funny. Remember a few weeks ago we were talking about they were about to give Tyree Kill, like the biggest wide receiver deal in football. They were talking about paying him all that million or something. Yeah, something crazy. Imagine if that would have gone down, the guaranteed money that he would have got from that. Uh, yes. I, I don't know exactly how that would have worked out because I, uh, there probably would have been a starting point to the season. I don't know if he got there, but just the timing of all this. Yes. Why does it work out like this? It's like Belichick's back there pressing buttons, right? Like, <laughs> mm, yeah, they're getting too good. Uh-huh. Deep. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, how the mighty have fallen, and that's what happens though with these boomer bust guys. If you take a you know a character issue, dude, you never know when one night you're going to get that phone call and you know you get that bad news. Well, and it, it takes so long for some of these cases to develop too. So it's almost like these teams are just riding with these players. It's like, okay, we know this guy did something, but it's going to take like a year and a half to prove it. We might as well use as much of him as we can. Yep get ready for him to be suspended and just move on. It's like they're using them as rentals, basically. Yeah, you know they don't have an issue. Cam makes a good point. They are going to bury their heads in the sand until until they can't, 
you know, say to people with a straight face that they knew or, you know, they are going to delay and stall and get the most they can out of this player? Or why would they have drafted him in the first place? They knew this was part of the deal. So they're going to drag it as long as they can. And, you know, I get it. It's all about winning. But this is some really terrible stuff here. And think about it. They they, he, they almost got away with him not being suspended yes. until this, this phone interview came out. I mean, it looked like everything was going to go blow by until, you know, she she basically... Whatever she did, she was able to get wired up and tape this this interview and give it to the news station or police. So it almost seemed like, you know, he was just going to go carry on fair free. And But, yeah, no. No, I mean, it didn't mean to cut you off there, Jerry. No. I just think that she – I think maybe after all this came out, and I don't know anything, I'm just guessing. I'm wondering if, like, you know, he beat her up again, and that's why finally she kind of, you know, put all this tape together and put some evidence together. You know, I think something else happened to where something changed and she put out this proof. Maybe it was just some leverage just in case it got worse. But, you know, you heard that tape, man. He was like, you know, you better be bleeping scared of me. Like, man, that's not a good dude. Another guy that has his own offseason issues, Antonio Brown pops up once again this time fighting with Ryan Clark. They had a Twitter exchange this week. Ryan Clark was was actually speaking about on someone else to someone else, and he uh, he he tweeted out, "Ha ha ha! So you missed the whole Antonio Brown thing? Yeah, you're one of those folks. What am I lying for? By the way, my opinion isn't about true or false; it's my opinion." Antonio Brown comes back with, "Bro, stop mentioning my name. I know it, I know it gets you clout. Keep that same analysis energy analysis energy next time we meet. It's on site. Ain't gonna spare you." Man, and, I, you know, Ryan Clark went on, I believe it was first take this week and talked about the whole thing and just kind of laid it out. And at first, I think it was going to be a physical deal, but I think now he's taking his job in the media seriously. And, you know, he knows you, you can't be an analyst on ESPN and, you know, go fight Antonio Brown on the weekend or something. You know, it's just if they were in the same locker room, then that could probably happen behind closed doors. And, you know, n- nobody would really know except for the players, you know, kind of like T.O. got in that fight with the Eagles famously uh, with uh, was it Hugh. I can't remember his last name. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, something like that could have happened. But now that Ryan Clark's in the media. You know, I think he's I think he's matured and he's a little bit past this. But I think the main point, Jerry, is like Antonio Brown just he won't stay down. When know? Ryan Clark said it perfectly, he was like, "Look, dude, he was like, if you had really wanted to fight, you would have pulled me aside in person and said something. But yeah. no, you went on social media and brought in the whole world, knowing that with everybody watching, it wasn't going to happen. Now, and I mean, Ryan Clark called him out. Was like, "Look, if he really wanted to catch a fade, he would have done it as a man and would have told me in person, not through social media." And then Skip Bayless throws in his two cents. Uh, Antonio Brown, trust me, you want no part of <laughs> Ryan Clark. You get harder, hit harder than you've ever been hit on the football field. Keep taking shots from your keyboard. It's true. I mean, Ryan Clark, he wasn't the most talented guy in the world. He he made his money in the NFL because he was a safety that, that wasn't afraid to get his head in there and pop somebody. I mean, you know better than anybody, Jerry. You're a Steelers fan. You know, Ryan Clark was in this league because of guts, you know, and that's the type of player he was. So, Antonio Brown stepping to him, he's not scared one bit. No, and another person that wasn't scared of of the clapback he would get for trying to spoil Avengers Endgame. We all know how big of a deal that movie is this week. And, yes, you want to watch a kid out of theaters and come out and say, man, I can't believe so-and-so died. But you can't do that right now, and that's what LaShawn McCoy did, and he got absolutely ripped apart on Twitter for spoiling it, which 
I've been bad about that. Like whenever I watch these shows and I'm behind an, a, a, an episode or two, I, I I remember reading uh when I was watching what was it Power and and for any of you Power watchers when Ghost got out of jail and I remember getting online and I remember that feeling of reading it and they were like, man, Ghost got out of jail and I'm just thinking. Why do I need to watch it? So, and and this is bad. I shouldn't have done this. I felt like someone else needs to feel what I'm feeling right now. So I turned to my wife and I'm like, "Hey, Ghost got out of jail," and she <laughs> looks at me like, "Oh my gosh, why did you tell me that?" Like it just it hurt your feelings in a way. Like, man, I've built up to this, and why'd you do this? But he obviously didn't even care. No, and he 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 left him up there. I was I saw Juggalo Trey on Twitter, and you know he was like, you know, if you spoil something, you know, oops, you made a mistake, then delete the tweet, right? But if you just leave it out there to spoil it for everybody, I mean that that's not cool, man. And luckily, that's why I went and saw Avengers because I didn't want the movie being spoiled for me. So I went early to make sure that didn't happen to me. But it reminds me of that uh, that Simpsons clip where Homer's walking out of Star Wars and all the people are waiting in line or Empire Strikes Back. And he's like, I can't believe Darth Vader's Luke's father and everybody in line is just like, oh! And they all start yeah. throwing stuff at him. You know, like, sorry, spoiler alert, guys, Star Wars. I saw one guy got beat <laughs> up at a, yeah. at a theater for, uh, for doing that. They started roughing him up. Uh, people on Twitter weren't going to spare him, though. Uh, LaShawn McCoy, wow, you really are a piece of... Uh, I hope you tear both ACLs. Fam, you both your ACL and MCL tear to smithereens. At NFL, can you suspend him for this? <laughs> well, the best clap back was Matthew Barry pulling in the fantasy stats, basically... He gave out a bunch of fantasy stuff dissing LaShawn McCoy, basically saying he was like the 97th out of 98th most efficient fantasy running back, <laughs> just totally destroying him. That's hilarious. And that's funny you say that because Matthew Barry has a little cameo in the movie. So that's funny that, you know, that he would be the one to clap back at that. And there hadn't, there couldn't be that many people in there that were like, is that the fantasy expert Matthew Barry from ESPN? Uh, he's actually in the movie as a tiny little cameo. And uh, it's a little known thing about Matthew Barry. This is a fantasy show. His brother, I think, is like a super agent to the stars. He actually wrote an episode of Married with Children like a million years ago. So, I did not know Yeah, that. Matthew Barry has been in entertainment and well, kind of on the, the bubble for that, years. That, that fantasy football show, The League, yes. he made like two or three appearances in that too a couple years ago he did so yeah his brother's like a super agent so that's kind of helped him uh progress in his career and his dad is like one of the really big wigs at texas a&m so he's got a texas connection too the connection we have though here and you hear will smith in the background getting jiggy with it that's what we did one to one in the first half how do you do it bo both teams to score on the 15 unit max you promise for the people the 15 unit max cash it both teams to score over one in the first half. You're listening to Moneyline ESPN 97.5. See me on the 50-yard line with the Raiders. Met Ali, he told me I'm the greatest. I got the fever for the flavor of a crowd pleaser. DJ, play another from the Prince. Twitter. Twitter. Follow the show on Twitter at Moneyline 97.5. You're listening to Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 97.5.com. Live from the ESPN 97.5 studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. 
That's right. We are back. Moneyline. Josh, Jerry at Clutch City Cam behind the glass. The whole funky bunch is here today. We're talking a little NFL draft. We're about to get into some Rockets. Jerry just gave you a soccer play, and it already paid off. So good job, Jerry. Last week, Jerry killed it again. So keep listening to Moneyline. We're going to keep giving you those plays. Jerry's got to play on the Rockets. We're going to get into that. Quickly, though, we were talking about DK Metcalf. He kind of fell in the draft. Seahawks, uh, Seattle Seahawks picked him up, and he had kind of an in- interesting reaction. He had the phone call with Pete Carroll, which was pretty funny. So uh, I think we have the audio, Cam. Why don't you let everybody know what DK Metcalf had to say when he finally talked to Pete Carroll after being drafted? Yeah. You doing all right? Yeah. Hey, man, get fired up. We're going to make you a Seahawk right here, okay? Yeah, all right, bud. All right, man. Congratulations. You got you got to help me out in the weight room, though. I'm a little little slow in that area, okay? Uh, yeah. All right. Look forward to this, brother. Okay. Here's Coach Carroll. DK. Hey, DK. This is Coach Pete Carroll. How you doing? I'm doing really good. <laughs> Okay, we'll both cry together then, all right? Why y'all wait this long, man? I know, I know you had to wait a little bit, but that doesn't matter because you're coming to Seattle, man. You're going to play, play with the Seahawks, and you're going to catch footballs from Russell Wilson. DK Metcalf, if you are not familiar with the name, it's the guy that you've seen that looks like the incredible Hulk that was entering the NFL draft. Bless his heart. People were leading him to believe that he could be a first-round pick. He ended up dropping, but... What better of a situation with the news of Doug Baldwin maybe not seeing another snap? It's crazy, right? But he's been dealing with injuries a lot the last couple of years. We've seen that. So this makes a lot of sense that they pick up Metcalf here to fill the void with Doug Baldwin. And I think it's a good fit. I mean, this guy ran like 4-3-3 at the Combine. He's a huge dude, too. So I love the pick for Seattle. I do, and they needed that go route. They need that's the problem with yeah with DK that they say that he's got he's usually just a go guy. Let, let, let's go, and but that's what they need also. And the size that he'll give them, and what better quarterback to go? Imagine if they told you, man, you're going to Russell. Well, you're going with Russell Wilson. I, I love that. I love it, and and I hope the big things come his way. But again, his route tree, and that's something you're hearing a lot. It has to grow. He he's only got two moves. You know what I mean. And it's, you have to you have to have more than that. And that's why he fell. So and and they got to quit inviting these guys that aren't going to get drafted. Imagine sitting there like that. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously. And I think they're going to change that for next year. There's too many guys sitting in the green room for way too much time. And you notice too that they kept walking these guys out there that missed their window, and they're coming out and being announced like 20 picks after they've been drafted, and they're putting the hat on. And it's just kind of confusing, you know, because. You've already been drafted 20 picks ago. Why are you walking on the stage and putting the cap on your head now? They're doing too much. Yeah, They're they, trying too much. they, they got to figure it out. And I love in that clip, too, you have all that excitement from Pete Carroll. And I don't know if you caught it when uh, when Belichick called Nikhil Harry the uh, the Patriots' first-round pick. And it was the total opposite of you know Pete Carroll. Like, no charisma, no nothing. It's just like, uh, Nikhil, uh, it's Bill Belichick. Congratulations. Hey, coach, I can't wait to play it. You're a Patriot. Hey, coach. Congrats. Thanks for drafting me. Get off the phone. <laughs> and that's exactly how it went, and that's all we have. That's all you get from uh, Coach Bill. But, that's it. Man, it just – I love the draft for that aspect, though. You see 
a lot of these guys that the 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 round three four guys that are taking video from their house and you see that they're just they're regular old guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you see like their setup. Some of them look like they're in real small places, and it's just wonderful to see because this weekend literally changed lives. It did, and did you see a lot of these guys were being smart? They got some sponsors, you know, so they were putting up some branding because they knew the cameras were going to be Times in their are place. Changing. Yeah, man. Dwayne Haskins was charging fifty to get in. I think I they said that. a bowling alley or something. Yes. I don't know if that was true, <laughs> but I saw he was charging fifty, and again, it just. It just imagine if you're a DK though, for example, and you throw a, a day one, and then you don't get drafted, and everyone's sitting there like, "What? Well, cool, cool party, but you didn't even get drafted, man." <laughs> so let me ask y'all then: If y'all were NFL draft prospects, what, what, how would you set it up? If you weren't invited to the actual drafting location, would you would you do would you go all out big like at a club or something, or would you just keep it real simple with at the with the homies at the house? You go first. <sighs> I'd do something silly though, yeah. like. I'd be doing something serious, like silly, just, I don't know, something just out of the ordinary, though. I don't think I'd show up or be at my house. I'd just pop up out of nowhere. Is that is that Jerry Bowe, the 18th overall pick? Yeah, riding on top of that 18, Willie. <laughs> I've been down there with all the uh, the bachelorette parties, man. That's where you ought to do it. You ought to be right down there in Nashville with all those bachelorette parties, setting up shop. And what's up, ladies? Yeah, I'm about to be the 18th pick in the draft. <laughs> Hey, I'm about to be a millionaire. You like money? That's a wonderful <laughs> choice, Joshua. Right? It just makes too much sense. Uh, all those girls were complaining about the draft being there. And, you know, why? It's like there's all these... Uh, yeah, if you want to grab it, go for it. Uh, Cam was asking me, there's some audio from, you know, bachelorette parties are a big thing down in Nashville. They kind of have a Sixth Street kind of kind of situation. And what a perfect place. I mean, you got you got bands, you got plenty of alcohol, plenty of food, and a bunch of young 20-something-year-old guys that are about to be millionaires. And you got football. But according to her... Never mind. Either way, uh, this... this Changes <laughs> like the crowd, like what you're here for. Like, I don't want to hang out with a bunch of football guys. We're yeah. still planning on using Uber, and if it takes two hours, it takes two hours. It is what it is. The person that's going to pay for this is my husband when I refuse to watch football the in, entire season. Like, I, I'm talking no, uh, no Super Bowl. No. Because you get married once. Yep. How often does the draft? <laughs> That's hilarious. You're really punishing him by not watching football with him? Come on now. <laughs> you planned your bachelorette party. Like, you, you had to have seen there, – there had to have been an announcement yes. that there was going to be a draft there. Like, not any – not just football people knew that there was going to be a draft there. Like, yeah, <laughs> you didn't notice that all the hotels were booked and that the rates for rooms were through the roof because you know, come on now, you knew. Yeah, this is little TV time. Let's get uh, to this phone call before we get out of here. Q, you're on money line. He has a he has a question or a, he has to talk about his draft story. What you got for us, Q? Hey, what's going on, fellas? How you doing? I'm good, man. Uh, man, I actually thought about it this past draft. I was like, if, if I was a prospect, especially a first-rounder, I'd actually charge the media. If I did my draft party at the house, Ooh. I'd charge the media to have all the cameras and stuff in there. I mean, especially if you're like a top-ten pick. Like, they got to be paying some good money to be up in there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, no. That's a good idea. And that's, I think, where it's going to have to go eventually because it, they're in your house. And they're, yeah. I mean, and they're getting the, the thrill of the, uh, the thrill of the moment or the agony of defeat, either which one that you're involved in. And it just, you're, you're right, though. That's the direction they need to go to. Any way you can get it, man, I agree. 
No, that, that's a good thought there, Q, man. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, why not? Charge the media. And the media wins either way, right? To your point, Jerry, if it's good news, that's good. If it's you know bad news, that's drama for them. They, they love that stuff. So it makes a lot of sense. Charge the media. I like it, Q. Thanks for listening. We only have a couple minutes before we get out, Jerry. I know we wanted to talk a little Rockets Warriors. You have, you have some plays for us here. Let's just talk about the series a little bit in general. I mean, it gets started today at 2.30. Game going to be at the Oracle. Um, you know, Warriors are at home. What, what, what do you got for tonight or today and for the series in general? If anyone that looks at you with a straight face and says, man, I'm 100% with this is, is lying. Okay, this is straight just intuition and the moment that I feel they're in. But I've said it once in the last three days and I'll say it again until the end of the series. The, the Warriors are vulnerable. If they've ever been, this is it. I think this Rockets team they're not phased by them. They're not. If 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 the Rockets play their best game, I think. Don't get me wrong. Best game against best game, the Warriors. But I just don't feel like that Warriors team is the same as it has been in past years. And when sometimes you make a bet on futures, you get odds plus odds. For example, taking an underdog on the Rockets, you're getting around two forty, two fifty. I am going to make that bet with. Not saying that they're going to win the series, but saying that I can get out of that bet and profit down this down the line. In other words, I think that the Rockets are going to steal one of these games at Golden State, and that's going to shift the odds. Say the Rockets steal one of those games and then come back and win their first home game. Now they're up. I guarantee you that those odds are going to change drastically. And once they do, then you can come back and place a bet as in a hedge on Golden State. And that's how you're going to get some money out here. So basically, bet the Rockets for the series. We'll talk again down the line whenever the the odds have changed. I'm not saying that they're necessarily going to win it, but I'm saying that you'll have a chance to bet it out because I do think that they will steal a game. As far as today, this game in particular, the Rockets are getting public action. They're getting love. Everyone's on them. Everyone's seeing the same thing. Everyone knows that they've won an Oracle twice this year. Everyone knows that they that they, that this is their moment, that this is what they've been waiting for the whole offseason. Everyone knows that. Under Steve Kerr, the Warriors 12-2 and against the spread in the playoffs when getting less than 50% of the bets. When people don't believe in them, they smack you. Even further, when they're single-digit favorites, 37-20. and 20. 65% winners. That's what scares me here. They're undervalued. That means that they're undervalued, and you don't want to undervalue and overlook a, a, a team like the Warriors. That's strange, right? Because we saw what Durant did to, to close out that series, and people still not believing in the Warriors. That's kind of crazy to me. Crazy, though. Since 2005, we know, or, or first, we know that the, the Rockets are on, on extra rest. Warriors, two days rest. And that stat that stuck out to me since 2005, teams on two days rest or less facing a team with four days of rest or more in the playoffs, they're 37% winners. Wow. Golden State is going to lose today. Ooh. Look, I, I'm, I'm with him. If, if there was ever a time for the Rockets to, to, to dethrone the Warriors, it's now. I mean, look, last year people thought we could have beat him. Chris Paul gets hurt before Game 7. This year we talked about how important it was to be healthy, and we mentioned how oddly we kind of wanted to see them early because we knew they were going to play the Clippers, and the Clippers were going to beat them up. Clippers won two games. People thought they were going to get swept, and now all of a sudden Clay Thompson and Seth Curry have ankle issues, but the Rockets are healthy, and Golden State doesn't even have a, 
um, big boy that they lost. Uh, Boogie Cousins. Boogie yeah. Cousins. So this is perf- playing perfectly in, in, into Rockets' Rockets' hands right now. Let's do it like this, Houston. Take Houston plus five and a half. A small bet. Big bet. Houston over 1019 total for the game. And go ahead and put a small bet on Houston for the series around plus 240. And we'll go ahead and try to hedge our way out of that. Ooh, man. I like that. All right, Jerry, what, why do you think this year will be different? What, why do you like the Rockets a little more? Not so much the Rockets. I just don't think that that Golden State team is the same that they were before. All good things come to an end. If they were to lose here, Durant goes his own way. Things start, you, you know, don't get me wrong. They were doing it before Durant and whatnot. But I just think that this is the moment. And if and, and people know I'm not a homer thinking because I'm not a true, true Rockets fan. I love the team. I love the city. But. This is their moment. This time to 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 to, to get the, the the thing off your back. It's time to. There's no more talking. This whole offseason, we've heard it was one injury away, one Chris Paul injury away. But then on the other side, there was injuries as well. Iguodala wasn't the same. And let's get it off. Let's take off the gloves. Two thirty today. Let's tip off. Let's get it on. Man, I'd like it. I, I hope you're right. This is one of those things. I think for me. I, Unfortunately, I think it's going to be the Warriors in, in seven. I think it's going to be a close series. And it could be. And if it gets to that Warriors in seven, I guarantee you that you'll be able to bet out of that plus 240 ticket. And that's my thought, that it's going to see six or seven games. And if it gets to seven games, you'll be able at one point to be able to get some kind of value in that game. All right. There you have it, guys. Listen to Jerry. He's been on fire lately. That's going to do it for us, for Jerry, for Josh, for Clutch City Cam, for Hector on the phones. This has been Moneyline. We'll see you next week. Twitter. Twitter. Follow the show on Twitter at Moneyline975.